Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber has the morning off. On the lookout again for some all-time highs as we get set for a big week of retail earnings. Futures are steady and oil is flat. Our roadmap begins with Wall Street's record watch. The S&P set to open near some new highs as Goldman lifts its forecast. Plus, postal politics as Democrats call the House back. And China crackdown. The White House now says it's looking at restrictions on Alibaba. Jim, there's a lot to watch today. Good to be back with you, Guy. Oh, it's good to be back with you. And you did mention a very important piece, which is David Costin's piece, and he's a friend of the show, uh, talking it came, last night. I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, can we really go higher? He's got a piece which says we're going to blast higher. And uh, that would be something that I think a lot of people are, uh, would be uh, suspect, uh, a little critical of, because we're going around in the election. But he doesn't even seem to mind that. And David's work is high quality, uh, and, and I just really think that, he is just saying it is time. And wouldn't that be something if we yeah. have a big, big move here? It's fascinating. He does say, Jim, as you point out, uh, the election does remain a risk. But 3,600 year end, 3,800 in 12 months <laughs> is about a 6% gain. And their earnings estimate, Jim, for next year, 170. I mean, I remember when they thought 150 might be at risk. I just have to tell you, I, I wish everyone could get Goldman's research. I was fortunate enough to get that piece because it's a very logical piece about how there are many parts of the economy that are good. There's also a I, I, well, I would augment it by saying you don't want to be in bonds. There's obviously a shortage in equities. It is just an extraordinary piece because it's just kind of so matter of fact. I mean, there is a beginning of the pieces about how can you believe where we are? But after that, it's like, okay, our next move is substantially higher. And I think people have to recognize that we spend so much time talking about how crazy it is that we might go go to all-time highs. He's talking about how crazy and how not crazy it is to be able to expect a big move from here. Very, very bullish piece, Carl. And and exciting. Exciting. Let's not forget that. And they're not alone, Jim. RBC, uh, Ed Yardeni uh, starting to up their targets. And I wonder if you think the chase is truly going to be on once we get past these couple weeks of the dog days of August. I think it is. I mean, August was supposed to be so bad. Uh, We're going to get an inkling when we uh, see NVIDIA this week, which is a stock that's been on fire and we get the retailers. But I think we could have a kind of a grand slam of retail being positive. You know, we've got industrial being positive, semiconductors being positive and healthcare being positive. It's a grand slam. And and yes, so the banks, energy, big deal. Buffett's a seller. Uh, we'll talk more about that and, and of course, uh, Buffett's actions on the banks, Jim. But you mentioned the retail earnings still to come. You know, the big thought has been, OK, uh, Walmart's going to give us a sense of how consumers are faring with some of these uh, expirations uh, expiring, at least in full, as we wait for a, a bridge or a fill-in. Uh, but then you get a story like today in the Journal on, on foot traffic at Home Depot of wow. 35 uh, since April. Uh, you know, and then we are hearing... That uh, this is just the halcyon time for the big retailers. Diana Olick mentioned something when she talked about the skyrocketing lumber price. Well, of course, Home Depot bought the lumber much lower. 
You can imagine how much they can make just on lumber. It's always been a key, to, uh, a, a, a key, let's say, fulcrum to their numbers. And let's not forget, in the piece it just talked about, people have nothing to do. When you have nothing to do, you, you improve your home. And then there's this incredible ex-urban flight. When you take a look at all the, the declines in toll roads and the declines in public transit, you know that people have fled. And, and you know, I was looking, I'm trying to figure out, Mary, a vacation worldwide, whether, whether it's extended to the fact that people want timeshare which used to have to be sold, now you have to be buying. I just think, Carl, it's a wholesale revolution about where people live, work from home. No one wants to go back to work. Everyone's scared. Wow, what a time. Yeah. Are we done worrying about the consumer, Jim, or are we still on tinderhooks waiting for Congress to assemble something that the White House can pass? Uh, I think that we're not done. Uh, I think that there are still lots of... uh, of smaller businesses that are holding on and are still open. But I think that the moves that we're seeing in the Walmarts and Target are arbingers of what is going to come. And when you take a look at all the universities that are stuttering to be open and closed, remember, there's tons of small businesses associated with every university, but there always is a Target or a Walmart lurking. And I think that this is going to be the push comes to shove where, the, where we're going to see the indebted retailers have a very hard time. And I think that, look, you could get a, an easy comparison from quarter to quarter for something like a Kohl's or an L Brands. But those are short term trades. This is about uh, either getting a lot of inventory in from the guys who went, on, went under. That's TJX and that's Burlington and Ross stores. Or it's about the champs, which is Amazon, Target. Home Depot, let's not forget Lowe's, right? And then, of course, Walmart. And they're just, it's the win. winners get bigger. On the wall, we have a couple footlocker uh, we already know is doing well. One to watch, Thursday, Estee Lauder. This is a Zoom play. I'm not kidding. You, when you wear your mask, you break out. You break out. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Have you ever noticed everyone's no, know, breaking Jim. out? Well, Fabrizio Freda understands the breakout issue. Uh, John Oliver focused on my boozy brunch yesterday, and uh, it is interesting to see all of us are suffering from breakout. And and not that that is, I'm not trying to minimize what people are really suffering from, but best day lauders ready with cleansing products and not just the usual products that they have. And it is incredible how Fabrizio saw this coming. He saw it coming. He said it was going to be, it was a, it was going to be a zoomy issue. And that's his new word for it. And um, look out. That may be the big surprise of the week. Look at that chart. Yeah. Look at that well, chart. Your, your longstanding your, your long thesis about uh, it's essentially a vanity play, right? Um, well, it's selfie. Uh, before it was Instagram. Right. And, and now in selfies. And selfies. now it's translated to Zoom. It's the selfie generation. Now he says it's the Zoomy generation. Remember, he goes to China. And he has he's a little bit different from Peter Navarro. He meets with influencers and the Chinese are back buying makeup. But the world has problems with masks. And I just I mean, wow, I don't want to get too particular about who I know has problems with masks. But holy cow, when you go to the clubs, if you do that or you go anywhere, it's like everyone's like, how are you? How's it going? Yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a huge uh, shift in our in our cultural and, and Fabrizio's uh, got it All that out. said, all that said, the enthusiasm about uh, the markets overall from Goldman, the enthusiasm we'll we'll see regarding retail. What do we make of Buffett trimming JPM, trimming Wells, exiting Goldman, following through on his promise to exit the airlines, and then buying Barrick? Well. Barrick's uh, had a very big move. I, I've liked Barrick. We had uh, Dr. Mark Bristow on last week. 
I, I think selling Wells Fargo right here after Charlie Scharf comes in, as Stephanie Link said, and replaces all this team, I think he's a little late on that sell of Wells, frankly. Uh, at Goldman, it was a finish of a sell. He had been uh, dumping it in the first quarter. He's continued by Bank of America. So he isn't just leaving the banks. But I don't want to sell Wells Fargo when Charlie Scharf has got his own team in there. I think that's a mistake. Uh, but you know what, Warren Buffett, I'm not you – know, look, there's a fellow over there in an outfit called uh, – it's what, Merrill Barstool? No, no, Solomon Barstool. Jeez, ah, I forget the name. <laughs> yes. But uh, David Portnoy is complaining uh, endlessly that Warren Buffett is not at the top of his game. Now, I, we have to dismiss uh, Dave for doing that because it's unfair. Uh, but, um, whoa, I think some of these moves are late. And I do believe that gold is uh, – that, that, remember – they're using $13 base price at, at, at Barrick, and Bristow's managed to be able to combine the Nevada property, Nevada properties, excuse me, and they're really good. So I like the gold yes. call, but uh, selling Wells Fargo with Charlie, ouch, Charlie turned around Visa. He's a total technologist, and he's got his team in, and I think it's a shame because he held Wells Fargo throughout the downturn, and now he starts selling it? I don't know. I'm interested to see what the uh, complainer over there in the uh, uh, three stool saying. Yeah, well, we always say that 13Fs, you know, are stale by nature. Yes. Tepper, of course, taking new stakes in Visa, Jim, and PayPal, and MasterCard, as well as Disney and T. Uh, so Ooh. there's some interesting um, strategies, at least clues about strategies going into the last couple quarters of the year. I'm a home gamer for Tepper. I do love him. And I find that we don't know what look, we've got some fantastic notes this morning. JPM raising all the, pro, the the payment processors doing incredible. Going into Disney was a gutsy move because you had to believe that Disney Plus was going to be great. Pretty soon we're going to be seeing we're going to go to the movies again, conscious that it was a rainy weekend. The old days would have gone to the movies and now we're afraid of, of getting COVID going to the movies. Maybe they can do something about that. But I, I just feel that Tepper is spot on with the processors because that is the anti-bank trade. And they keep going. I, I had Dan Schulman on last week on Mad Money PayPal. I don't know what stops PayPal. That is just a juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I mean, and some of the other moves that we got from these filings, Ackman upping lows. We talked about uh, home rebuilding. Third point, of course, we already knew about some of their steps, but new stakes in Facebook, uh, ATVI, Jim, and Baba which is making news for other reasons today, as the president says, in fact, they are looking at some new restrictions. Yeah, Alibaba is the one that has the most U.S. financials, but there hardly is a moment that that the president doesn't try to uh, put the squeeze on China. I think that Taiwan's the biggest. That's the one I'm most worried about in terms of the Chinese saying, listen, we're done. Uh, we're going to ch- take our we're going to extract whatever we can get from Taiwan semi. We'll steal their uh, we'll, we'll steal all their intellectual property. I'm very concerned about that. On the lows call by Ackman, Marvin Ellison has finally gotten that e-commerce side down. He's done a remarkable job taking a com- that company into the 21st century. LOW remains a win. And I think that when we see Ellison's numbers, it's still going to be caveat. He's still going to say he's not there. He's a humble man, but he is making progress. I like that call. Uh, as far as China goes, Jim, um, there's, of course, this report out of Reuters that commerce is tightening once again some restrictions on Huawei. Uh, Wilbur Ross saying they're looking at TikTok, no formal steps on Baba. But that meeting, Jim, to take stock of where we are on phase one getting delayed, 
uh, yeah. looks a little more interesting in light of these Huawei, this Huawei well, news. This is such a cold war. Remember, Qualcomm last week was trying to do more business with Huawei on the non-strategic, which is the 5G. Uh, if the White House deems 5G as strategic, then look out. That's going to be a wholesale pullback because it's not just Huawei who, buys, who wants our 5G technology. We are still ahead in some of 5G technology. I find that uh, the president and Peter Navarro, and Peter was very honest that he doesn't really know what the president's thinking at the given moment, but Peter comes on TV and basically uh, uh, cold warriorizes the situation because that's what he's been. I question whether he's hawking off. So, I mean, sometimes I feel he's soft on technology. He doesn't like it when I say that. Soft on technology. Soft on technology. Because he's not worried enough so about Navarro what they're going to do. What about stealing our technology? He used to be very strong in intellectual property stealing. But is he worried about Taiwan Semi like I am? Taiwan Semi is absolutely the most important company when it comes to our semiconductors. And we are at their mercy if we don't protect them. And I, I urge Peter huh. to look into the situation. I've known Peter for, I don't know, so since I was we- a child. We were back in the throes of um, sort of existential crisis in March and April. Your general take was let's hold off on ramping up escalation vis-a-vis China. But it sounds like maybe you think we now have cushion to do just that. I do think that we have a a bit of a head of steam uh, coming into this economy. Now, obviously, I still hope that we get some sort of agreement between the Democrats and Republicans. But let's just take the averages, right? What are the strong stocks in the averages? It's technology. And technology is that's where we need to worry. And I, I really do not like it when Washington tries to crack down on Google and Facebook because they've been shut out of China from day one. I do worry about Apple at all times. I think the Chinese, if they made a commitment to Apple, then I think we would back off. That would be they need to make a sign, a sign that says we want this to end. We want to make peace. We're going to buy Apple stuff. And then I think the president might just say, you know what? OK, let, let, but they haven't made any sign that. They've made no sign whatsoever that they want peace. None. They are up. They'll, 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 want, they'll step right up. But Taiwan Semi is what we have to worry about. Not those stocks. Those are fine. Netflix can't yeah. even sell a movie. Remember when That's Netflix well was going to go big in China? They won't even let them there. What are they worried about? Right, what has right. Netflix got? Some new thing that they should worry about? What, that fella, the fella with the pictures? Epstein there? Is that what they don't want to show? What is that? Networks, networks, Netflix hasn't had get, a lot of new stuff lately. Yeah, we're going to drill down on more of that, Jim, uh, later on this morning as we kick off this Monday morning. We'll get to some of the sell-side calls this morning as uh, Deutsche goes tactical buy on GM. Got an upgrade of Teladoc and, of course, talks in politics as we get uh, night one of the Democratic National Convention. Futures are positive. Back in a minute. Voting by mail remains in focus as we get closer to Election Day. Speaker Pelosi calling the House back this week to vote on some legislation regarding recent changes at the Postal Service. Let's get to Elon Mui this morning, who has some more on all of that and how big business fits in the picture. Morning, Elon. Good morning, Carl. Well, in Washington, the fight over the Postal Service is all about the election, but the post office is also really important to the economy, and that is why corporate America is now jumping into the fray. Amazon, CVS, eBay, and Etsy, they're all part of a coalition of businesses that are calling on Congress to authorize $25 billion in emergency funding to help stabilize the post office. The group is running a six-figure ad campaign across eight states. It wraps up today, and they say the money is necessary to help stem the financial losses that the post office faces 
during the pandemic, but they acknowledge that it's not going to be enough to solve the long-term problems. Last year, the Postal Service brought in $71.3 billion in revenue, but it faced $80 billion in expenses. The net loss was $8.8 billion. Now, the delay at the post office is also threatening the nation's smallest businesses. 70% of micro-businesses, those with 10 employees or less, say that they use the post office, and they spend on average $359 a month. That compares to only 40% who say that they use private carriers. Now, as you mentioned, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has called lawmakers back into session to vote on a relatively narrow bill that would require the post office to maintain the level of service that it provided back in January. But guys, that bill does not include any new funding, at least not yet. Back over to you. Uh, Elon, really quick, uh, the postmaster uh, general, of course, being called to testify. Thoughts on that? And then uh, uh, Chief of Staff Meadows suggesting that, in fact, if it was a narrow funding for USPS, it probably would get the White House backing, correct? Well, I'll point out that there is uh, bipartisan support for adding money to the post office. The question is how much and how it would be directed. But Democrats don't trust Meadows' statement on CNN uh, that he made. They feel like he doesn't necessarily speak for the president and that this has been an intractable negotiation so far. They know that this vote is not going to go anywhere in the Senate, at least as it is currently written. But they're hoping that the real sort of star of the show will be Monday's hearing when they bring the postmaster general uh, before Congress. All right, Elon Mui, uh, thanks for that. A lot, of, a lot of moving parts in that story, Jim. Uh, I guess some thoughts on that and uh, any ties that we might make to Amazon, as Elon mentioned. Well, I, look, I'm more concerned about the idea that uh, we get an election in doubt, which would just be in, uh, what a nightmare. I mean, th- there are so many people who want, want to. There's a bunch of states, including New Jersey, where we're going to vote by mail. And uh, I'm really concerned that the election would somehow be invalidated, which would be, as we know, uh, something like uh, what happened in 2000, which was the beginning of kind of a rough period of the market. So let, let's hope that uh, let's hope that doesn't happen, Carl. I mean, that would, they need money. They need money. And, and I know that uh, Speaker Pelosi's not happy with the way it's run and Speaker Pelosi's going to get her end. But I know that uh, Elon was talking about the notion of that there might be some bipartisan support, but I, I'm not seeing it. it be uh, well, Jim, rough. to your point, we mentioned that Costin, that, that, that Goldman note, and they actually mentioned uh, New York 12, the Democratic primary, which took six weeks to count yeah. uh, and determine the winner. And as Costin writes, this was just a primary. I know. And look, look, everyone, there's a, a Dr. Gottlieb has been unbelievably good just talking about what happens and, uh, and uh, complacency. And, and I'm concerned. I mean, am I going to vote? If, am I going to vote in person as I have for the last 25 years? I don't know. I mean, to me, they send it to me. I, I'd rather do that. I'm afraid to, like, push the button. I'll be wearing my gloves, all that. I mean, everyone's afraid. Uh, so I think that this is going to be really, really important, Carl. And I know we're going to be thinking about it. And it, it's got the, I'm going to use the two words, it's got the hanging Chad feel. Mm-hmm. 81 days. Jim, uh, coming up, meet the head of a hedge fund, which generated returns of more than 4,000 percent in Q1 amid the pandemic-induced sell-off. We'll hear what uh, Mark Spitznagel of Universa has to say about his fund strategy and what works from here. That's later on this morning on Squawk in the Street. Coming off of three weeks higher for the S&P and the Nasdaq, of course, some record closes on the S&P 
but still in search of that all-time high uh, that would exceed 33.93 from February 19. Futures are green. We're back in a minute. Let's get Kramer's mad dash ahead of the market open, Jim. You mentioned Marriott earlier. You want to circle back. Yeah, I just think that what, what's happening now is the uh, winners, the companies that have good, big balance sheets that are doing well, are starting to dwarf the losers. Marriott, great piece today by uh, Barclays, Revpar improving, led by China. Marriott comes out ahead, and little guys get crushed. I'm seeing this over and over again, Carl. This is the brand new thing we have to worry about. This little small business hotels get crushed. Marriott survives. Let's not forget, big balance sheet Marriott was able to raise money. You're not able to raise money if you're a small guy. Uh, no, but Jim, it's still highly focused on recovery in China, right? Yes, it is. But I think that they've got the uh, capital to go forward. And I think that therefore you buy this stock. It's a new position for me. I did not think that. By the way, Cross, you just point out that uh, Secretary Mnuchin informs me that if Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, excuse me, is calling back the House, she should sit down in good faith to, to negotiate a deal with her. So why don't we do this right now with Secretary Mnuchin? Have Nancy Pelosi... Call Secretary Mnuchin. We're going to get a mail deal right on our show. We're going to get a post office deal. I feel very confident about that. Let's get this thing behind us. We don't want this thing to be overhanging our country. Not when we're trying to get it back together. So Secretary Mnuchin watching the show, suggesting that uh, Speaker Pelosi sit down with good faith with him. I think that makes sense. That's that's good, Jim. We always joke about you being uh, an investment banker on our air, uh, but it would be nice if you were able to put two sides together in politics. I'm old enough to be able to say, you know what, we need this deal because I remember there were many elections that I followed where even in the worst of times, like the, the Nixon times, they got the darn election done. So let's get this done. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, you mentioned, you know, talking about Marriott, I'm just looking back at some of the things Arnie Sorensen has said, uh, you know, end of, let's say, July 20. I'm uh, less optimistic today than I was 30 days ago. So, I mean, there's still, I mean, I think in the, in the C-suite, at least, there's still a, ba- a battle of the minds about how the fall is truly going to shape up, don't you think? You're totally right. Uh, Arnie has not been as bullish because they did have a shortfall. I, what I think Arnie's missing, okay, is that everybody's doing worse than he is. Now, if you asked Arnie, well, okay, well, how about Hilton? Uh, okay, but how about Wyndham? What he would say is, I'm not focused on those. I'm focused on Marriott. Now, they reported EBITDA of 61 million versus 62 million estimate for Barclays. But remember, they did this. Recent capital raises and reduction of cash burn. Marriott has among the most liquidity in the group. We're going to be hearing over and over again, liquidity, liquidity with the cruise lines. They're not allowed to cruise. Who's got the liquidity? Norwegian. So let's stay focused on the fact that liquidity is the next leg. Who was able to raise capital and who couldn't? Yeah. Uh, there's the opening bell, Jim, as we watch uh, Brett fill in on the S&P heat map. Uh, your point about liquidity, high yield issuance, uh, most active August on record, and we're only halfway through the month. It's August. I was with an investment bagger this week, this weekend. And, I mean, she was like working so hard. I mean, she was like around the clock. Now, work from home around the clock <laughs> is pretty unbelievable, right? You know, well, I have, you got the Fig Newtons and the Diet Pepper, and you're working and working. And I just cannot believe how many deals there are. We have to stay focused because not everybody can raise capital. But if you can raise capital, you're king. And it's the biggest balance sheet that wins. Yeah. Uh, six weeks of inflows on the high-yield bond issuance as we see the Dow up uh, some 60 points, Jim, uh, being led by Home Depot this morning, which we'll get a look at uh, later on in the week. Um, 
Along with, uh, I guess, some of the banks are going to struggle here at the Open, Jim. Oh, JPM I know. And I mean, look, we've got to get over red. this idea that if Warren Buffett sold you, you're therefore bad. Because think about uh, Wells Fargo. It was in the mid-50s during that fabled weekend where the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Uh, it was uh, uh, headed toward, it was in the 60s, actually. Wasn't that the time to sell? Now you've got a really unbelievable management. The, house, the whole thing is cleared. You've got a very good mortgage market. I don't know. I'm banking with Charlie. As I said to you a couple weeks ago, I think Charlie, this is we're speaking about Charlie Scharf at Wells Fargo. Is mm-hmm. a, I don't want to say he's a miracle man, but he is um, probably, I think, the smartest banker in the whole group these days. And I understand, uh, Jamie, please don't take offense. Or Solomon. <laughs> um, Solomon, if he hadn't DJed yeah, at that I, uh, Long Island thing. Hey, that was pretty uh, close to where you live. Yes, I don't know that, if you were able to attend uh, that. It, it, uh, we could hear it. We could you hear could. it from the house. I'll tell you that. <sighs> yes. I've yes. gone to hear um, Solomon. They, uh, Solomon plays our generation. I love him. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they're probably maybe rethinking that decision, but who knows? It was so uh, Jim, GM, uh, Deutsche goes catalyst buy on this idea that they spin off their EV operations. They call it a no-brainer, uh, access to new capital, uh, unlocking value. What do you think of that? I saw the term no-brainer. Only a no-brainer uses the term no-brainer. You can't do that. And by the way, in the piece, he says, listen, they're not going to do the EV, but I think they can do the EV. It's one of the strange, you know, I finished that piece and I said, go buy Tesla. Another reason to buy Tesla. We had a positive note about Tesla in China using a $400 price just from the Chinese. I think Tesla remains the most exciting story out there. Uh, I know that people are tired of hearing about it, but you know what? I never tire of hearing about Tesla. And I think that uh, Wedbush talking about 1800 goes to 1900. China is the linchpin. Notice how you never hear about Tesla and problems with China. I don't know. Is Tesla sainted? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Musk is just out there taking share and taking names. If I were the Chinese automakers, I'd be scared of Elon Musk. I would. He's smarter than they are. So, so He's smarter you, than everybody. Do you not believe that a standalone GM EV business would draw interest? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> GM. Ford at least is going back with the Bronco. New management, that fellow Farley smart. Yeah. I think GM is, uh, you know, you buy a GM, you're really hoping for a very solid 1.5% move. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I just think the autos, not yet. If you do want the autos, you have to buy something like the Illinois Tool Works, which is doing incredibly well, or 3M, which is making a comeback. And if the Democrats don't, if the Democrats win and they hurt them on uh, water pollution, that could be our obviously problem. But I think 3M is a great way to play the autos, a better way to play the autos than the autos, because they've got worldwide business. I, I, I'm telling you, Mike Roman is turning this company around. And it is undervalued. And we remember when 3M was at 250. They've got a good yield, one of the greatest American companies, but they do have a lot of plants in China. Uh, but so far, the Navarro and the Navarro crowd is not focused on the industrials. No one's making 3M uh, leave yeah, that country. I, no one is. Uh, it's a very large ship to turn around, uh, yes. 3M. He'll uh, do so it. it'll take time. Mike Roman uh, Jim, will do it. July Jim, was strong. I bet yeah. August was strong. Or is. Uh, well, well, we'll t- he, he comes on. We'll talk to him again a, a very shortly, I'm sure. One of my We've faves. been watching, Jim, um, this countdown to Apple two trillion, and at that 
the price we're watching is 467.77. Getting close. Well, one thing they did uh, and Tesla did was talk was do a split. Now, I know splits are ephemeral. They're fool's gold. They're alchemy and they work. I happen to be a fan of fractional shares, but they haven't really caught fire. But when they get this, you know, I was with someone this week. He said, what do I do with my Apple? I put them in. I don't know when it was 40. I said, look, you might want to sell one share of the four you get. But the fact is, is that Apple is leading. They're in the vanguard. I predict almost every thousand dollar stock is going to come and recognize, you know what? We have got to split. I think at Costco is right now, right now trying to figure out, isn't it time to split? And I think they will. Alphabet, mm. I don't know. They need to be pressured. I think that uh, that Shantanu Narayan, he recognizes at $400, it's too expensive for a stock that he represents as the stock of the people. But these companies, uh, it's time. I got to call Facebook on that. Maybe Charles, no, I don't really have as much influence as I like there with Mark. But, you know, I do... I do think that Facebook would be a candidate for split, too. And Home Depot, come on, wake up and smell the coffee. People want to own your stock. Give us a split. Remember when Vassar used to say own a piece of an American company? What, own a piece of an American ETF? Yeah, that's a real a no-brainer. <laughs> own, a, own a piece of the rock, as they used to say, Jim. I love uh, that. What about... You keep see, you keep hearing though. Oh, uh, at least for those on the Dow, the impact on the price weight would that lead to sort of softness that would spur further selling? Does that give you any pause at all? No. I, I, let's let's default again to cost. I mean, we're talking about the S and P. S and P's got real mojo. If the only re, if the only segments of the S and P that are that don't have any momentum are the banks, which they don't. And the oils, of which people keep trying. I mean, what? Piper Sandler upgrades BP and Royal Dutch. Will you give me a break? The only one that works anyway is Chevron. Hey, Chaparral, see you later. Second time in bankruptcy. But I just think that we got Costin, S&P. Look at that. Look at, this. Look at him. He is so bullish. Do we have him today? We I don't a, think so, but I would imagine uh, it won't be long. I shot him an email telling him how great that piece was. Uh, no response. Hey, maybe he's at the Hamptons. I don't know. Where does Costin go? Yeah. He probably doesn't go anywhere. He works really hard. I mean, we do we do love him, Jim. I we do. But when things look dark, they got dark. And now that things look better, they I mean, I guess Ooh. what do you what do you what do you say to those who argue that they are trend following at least this year? Well, th- this time they've kind of leaped over. Um, I don't know that I, I it's do I think it's too harsh a view? I think that we all knew uh, there was a moment in March where if the Fed didn't move you really were facing some sort of apocalypse now. Uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin sat down with uh, Speaker Pelosi. Again, the Speaker Pelosi should reach out on this postal issue. Uh, and things, uh, things work during that. We do need, we do have a, a PPP problem. We're all out of PPP, Carl. We've all gone through it. Now the restaurants, other, you know, you've got all these outside restaurants. Those are so dynamite until it snows. Right. I mean, I'm very concerned. We're trying to we have an outdoor thing. They gave us six tables outside the other one. We have to close until I figure out a new strategy now that I'm not allowed to necessarily have my uh, margarita lemonade stand. But it it is rather remarkable what's going to happen with small business because, boy, we're everyone's got too many employees. And that's where the problems with the economy are going to come from. They've got to come. to So, I mean, just really quickly on that point, Jim, heat lamps, uh, you know, durable customers. How long can you go? Mid-October? Halloween? 
We just ordered more heat lamps. I'm actually not. I'm not that handy. Uh, Lisa's putting them together. Uh, I think you can go to Halloween uh, without a problem. And I think, by the way, it's very exciting. It feels like it feels like Vienna, um, which is great, except for Vienna also has indoor. And this indoor is problematic. Why does Darden keep getting recommended? Why did Brinker? Because they have the takeout situation together. The reason why Chipotle should split its stock is together is because they're actually making as much money per unit because they have the Chipotle's. But what are the little guys going to do? They don't got no Chipotle's. And they're all we're all overstaffed. Everybody is overstaffed. I got two guys in the, in the kitchen. Yeah. I love them. And I'm going to keep them. But most people are like, wow, we got a lot of guys. Maybe we'll send one. I'm on a on an Ojo scooter uh, and cut yeah. out uh, Grubhub, who's merging, of course, because that's uh, smart. Yeah, I, I think everybody understands what you're saying, Jim, especially given the news today from Domino's. Another 20,000 uh, people to be hired nationwide. Well, that's good. As How many you people can imagine be- uh, this? Ugh. Carl, and there's a yum note about no, how KFC's coming. I had some KFC last weekend. It was dynamite. But they should put more drumsticks in. Way too much white meat. I do think that, you know, the drummies taste best. Uh, whatever. Uh, the Domino's, uh, I, I just remember, every when you talk to Domino's offline, what are they really saying? They're saying that it's the little guy, the little Tratorius. Carl, they don't have it. They can't get through this. They don't have the technology. Domino's has the technology. I bet you Domino's has uh, driverless cars way before we see it from Uber, which is probably now China. We have to worry about California and Uber. I know. I know. Uh, They did say they may halt uh, operations this week uh, in the wake of that new law, Jim. But we've you know, we've always talked about these restaurant companies as engineering firms. One thing we didn't get to this morning, Jim, is uh, Steve Easterbrook, formerly of McDonald's, looking to have uh, that complaint dismissed. Uh, yeah. Which, of course, got pretty nasty last week. It, it, it is. It's still nasty. Now, the, the part that's not nasty is that uh, he, um, he, Mr. Eastbrook once the, lost the case, not in Delaware, where McDonald's' uh, corporate location, as everybody knows, is, it, it, it is in Illinois. But they actually have their certificate uh, of, of corporation in Delaware. But I think what was most damning, I was trying to interpret what he was really saying, and I came down with this. They knew everything. When they gave him that severance package, uh, it, it almost implied that they knew the emails, uh, even though they say they didn't know the emails. Now, uh, McDonald's sticks by what it did. Uh, and Mr. Easterbrook, when you consider that there's three women involved and pictures and uh, stock given, it, it just seems like he just I don't think he, there's a I think there's some real bad facts when it comes to Easterbrook. He's got a lot of bad facts on his side. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's got to do whatever he can, uh, but I think that he's got a beat down coming. He did, yeah. he did do all uh, day breakfast. Finally, before, 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 breakfast. He did, he did. Yep. And that, <laughs> not uh, mentioned any get of the pleadings. Pisani. Never comes in any of the pleadings, all day uh, breakfast. I would have worked it in if I were Easterbrook. Uh, finally, Jim, NVIDIA, Opco goes to $500. Uh, we continue to watch them for 
uh, other speculative reasons as well, but they're one of the S&P gainers today. And I don't like any of the pieces that came out this morning because they all say the bar's too high, but we like it anyway. If I were a short seller, I'd say, oh, they're giving me a real opportunity. They've moved the stock up and now it's going to get banged. Uh, because they also say that the uh, data center is not going to be that good. One of them says that the drag is the uh, the cars. I mean, I know that that, that that's something that Jensen Wong feels passionate about, which is the driverless car. But it's very hard to figure out in snow, things like that. But uh, what a juggernaut. And uh, the best performer, of course, since the bottom uh, uh, reports uh, the 19th. I don't know. They better announce that they have. I don't know what they can announce to be able to make it, but they they could put them in on Mars if they wanted to. They're the guys who actually are doing this trajectory on Mars. The Mars landing. Uh, We will see them uh, Wednesday night after the bell. That's right. So uh, let's get to Bob Pisani as the uh, Dow's uh, currently up and, and Nasdaq's up 80. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Happy Monday, everybody. It's a, a mixed open, but technology's leading once again. All the mega cap names are, are on the upside. Industrial slight lead here. You see the energy a little bit weaker. It, Oxy and Devon down about 2%. Uh, banks a little weak, uh, probably because of uh, reports of uh, Buffett exiting some of the positions there. Mixed overseas. Shanghai had a great session. Uh, they're near a two-year high, and the, they are furiously injecting uh, liquidity into their economy. Japan had a terrible GDP number overall. Uh, and I would note Spain and Italy are a little weak here. Uh, they're starting to shut down nightclubs again with a spike in coronavirus cases. So you want to keep an eye uh, on that. But it's been a stellar August here. Now, normally August is a kind of dull month, usually typically flat to down. Uh-uh, we're up 3.4%. We're knocking on the door of new highs here. This has been the second best start to August in 30 years, according to some reports I saw uh, over the weekend. So defying the usual course of expectations here. And remember here, uh, we're right here, right at a new high, essentially, right now. 33.86 was the old closing high. That was February 19th. The intraday high, 33.93. So we've been knocking on that door. As you see, we're right there. Uh, we'll see if we can close above 33.86 to get to a new high. And volatility has been seasonally low. This is the one thing that has been happening. The VIX is sitting at the lowest levels uh, since going back to February, essentially at 22 right now. As for the earnings, uh, we'll get all the July ending big retailers uh, this week. We like the July ending numbers because of the most recent ones. Good update on the state of the consumer from these companies this week, uh, particularly Home Depot, Lowe's, Target, and Walmart here. The journal already noted uh, foot traffic to Home Depot stores 35% above last year's for the quarter. But what's really happening here is the estimates are been dramatically rising in the last six weeks or so. So at the end of April, you know, three months ago, we had $2.98 for this quarter. Today, it's three sixty-eight. That's 25% above where the analyst had it um, a few months ago. That is a very, very big increase, unusually large. And it goes to the fact that analysts have been too pessimistic on earnings for a lot of companies, but particularly some of these consumer names here. I would note we're not getting the big upward revisions for the third and fourth quarter yet. We'll see if that actually happens, but it's certainly happening for the second quarter. Finally, just on Barrick Gold, it is curious to me that Warren Buffett's got a position in Barrick Gold. Now, gold stocks and gold are not exactly the same, but they do tend to move in tandem. Buffett has complained for many years about gold as a non-productive asset. That is, unlike stocks, it doesn't throw off any earnings. It doesn't throw off any dividends. 
Unlike bonds, it doesn't pay any interest, for example. It just sits there, and of course, you have to pay for carrying costs. This is a very common complaint about investing in gold, but it's curious he has a, a position there. And Carl, the GLD, which is the largest gold ETF, a lot of people feel the same way, is now the sixth largest ETF in the United States. Hard to believe. It's got $85 billion uh, in assets and had a huge increase in those assets under management just in the last few months. Carl, back to you. Wow. That's an incredible number, Bob. Uh, Bob Pisani, thanks. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning as well with a 10-year trading just below 69 basis points. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Yes, 68 basis points. Now, what's interesting, Carl, is we should go back to Wednesday. That was when we had the 10-year note auction last week. And, of course, Thursday was the bond auction that was so iffy and rates sort of peaked. And you can see 72 basis points, what we reached. Yes, we've given up some ground. 30s made it as high as around 145 basis points, and now they're hovering, as you see, right around 142. But maybe the biggest issue is why did they run out of gas? Now, whether it was supply or just the notion that even though even though negative rates, real rates are negative in this country when you consider inflation, that ultimately it's still some of the highest interest rates around the globe. And maybe the issue is that a couple weeks ago rates started moving up. It certainly looked like we were going to do a, a nosedive under 50 basis points in 10-year note yields. We ultimately didn't do that. And if you look at 10s minus 2s against the banking index over the same period of time last Wednesday, you'll see maybe the biggest issue is how the rest of the markets just didn't really pay all that much attention. We, we saw long rates move higher. We saw the curve steepen. But banking index and many things that concentrate on higher rates kind of snoozed right through it. Now, if we look at foreign exchange, where much of the action is, it's all about the euro currency, whether it's against the yen, uh, the Chinese yuan, or the U.S. dollar. This chart, of course, against the dollar from the end of June. What a July for weakness in the dollar and strength in the euro. And if you open that chart up, the last time we were up here, and keep in mind, today's high in the euro currencies is approaching 118.77. That is the high close going back to May of 2018. And in about 40 minutes, I'm going to do a solo today, a Santelli Exchange solo, about where the euro may go, where it may pause, and what are some good technical areas to pay close attention to. Jim and Carl, back to you. All right, Rick, can't wait for that. Uh, thank you, Rick Santelli. We'll take a quick break here. We did briefly trade above the uh, S&P record close of 33.86. Gold miners, uh, as uh, Bob was alluding to, having a very good day. ETF is having its best day since April 22 on the heels of that Buffett filing. Back in a minute. Amazon is being investigated by the German Federal Cartel Office for allegedly abusing its position in the midst of the pandemic. A spokesperson for the regulator tells CNBC that the company is using unknown mechanisms to regulate sellers on its platform and that it is, quote, not up to a private platform to be a price regulator or the price police. Amazon has not responded to CNBC's request for comment. Jim, what a day. Uh, when you're this global, uh, you're going to get scrutiny from all around the world. You sure are. I mean, the Germans, you've got Trump uh, with the with the post office. Uh, somehow I feel that the governments around the world are out of sync with the consumers. Uh, the governments may want to regulate Amazon or be punitive toward Amazon. The people want more Amazon. Uh, this has been the company that has shined in the pandemic. And uh, maybe the governments are worried about little guys and they have absolutely reason to worry. But I think that anyone who really goes against Amazon in the end is a loser because it's what we want. Did they forget that you can't go so out it, without worry? 
right? So, is, I mean, does regu regulatory risk even register when it comes to investment criteria on Amazon? You go up against Amazon, you go up against, unfortunately, again, because I like small business, you go up against Amazon, you're going up against uh, history uh, because Amazon has made it so that we can get things at home and do it without worry. Remember, 40% of the people are at, are at high risk in this country, and you don't want to take this from them. This is something that works for them. So uh, the Germans may investigate it. Uh, the president may not like the post office uh, deal. But in the end, the 40% of the people who are afraid to go out, this is their lifeline. So these guys ought to get with the program. I think a lot of viewers understand what you mean. Jim, we'll take a break here. Uh, while the markets did experience that pandemic-induced sell-off, uh, back in March and Q1, one hedge fund had gains of more than 4,000%. We're going to talk uh, exclusively with the head of that fund, Mark Spitznagel of Universa, at the top of the hour. So don't go away. Take a look at the S&P gainers this morning. It's a mix of uh, health care, uh, some semis, definitely materials in the mix with Freeport and Newmont up almost 4%. We'll take a stock of all of that and get uh, stop trading with Jim in just a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. With PPP winding down, to me, the most important thing is happening in this country. There's a recommendation by Jeffrey to plan of fitness. Why? Because there are 35,000 independently owned, let's call them mom and pop gyms. They will not be able to compete with plan of fitness, which could be able to come back. This is a continual theme. With PPP running out, being over, you have to bet against mom and pops. I hate to do that. Small business should be supported. It's not working. Planet Fitness will triumph over 35,000 gyms. Is that not a shame? Those people work hard, and they're going to be gone. Wow. Jim, that, that's a, um, that's a, that would be a massive turn of events. Ugh, and so sad. And it's, my, my mission, besides stock splits, of course, is that we've got to get some sort of PPP for these people who are going to lose to the big boxes and to all the big guys who, are, who have stock. You know, publicly traded. We got to stop this, Carl. And it's one of the sure. things that CNBC can do. Small business needs champions. We can be that champion. Yep, I'm all for it. Jim, what do you got tonight? Wow, I got Perkin Elmer. They've got the PCR test. Maybe that's not as good as saliva test. I think it's better. Uh, and then, oh, hell, geez, grow generation. You know, the old days we used to call it marijuana. Now we call it cannabis. This is like a cannabis tractor supply. Anyone's ever been to tractor supply knows that it's everything you need to grow. This place has everything you need to grow marijuana. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at Leslie Pickers. Let's, I'm laughing. all for that, too, Jim. Hi, Leslie. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, you know. My daughter was in Oregon. They ripped out all the Pinot Noir, and they put in pot, and then the price of pot went to nothing, and Pinot Noir went up. Yep, I, I know. Economics of a new business, new industry, Jim. We'll see you tonight. <laughs> Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 